it's getting close. In just a few days, pro-life Virginians from across the state will join together for the fourth annual March for Life at the Richmond Capitol on Wednesday, April 27th. As we think about that day and also prepare our families for Resurrection Life Sunday, we're going to talk about the urgent issues at stake in our Commonwealth when it comes to protecting human life in all of its stages. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. I get excited around Easter time. I don't know about you, Candy, but I just, you know, I love all the dress up stuff. You know, we make our family dress up, but then you go into church and you see all these kids in their cute dresses and the little boys that even will wear a hat and a tie. It's awesome. (laughs) I'm sure that's super fun when you have adorable boys to see them wearing the little ties. Um, But I just want to mention our producer, Catherine, just told us that she has signed up for Children's Church. And I think we should maybe give her a few warnings about this because we were just talking about some fun Children's Church stories that we've both experienced. I'll just share mine real quick. Um, Well, I'll just say my husband is better at leading Children's Church than I am. And at this one church, when they didn't have enough volunteers, we I had to go into one class, and he was across the hall. And this mom brought in, I think, a three-year-old girl, two, three years old, that did not want to be in there. And then five seconds after she's in there, she has to go to the restroom. And so we could not let them just go in the restroom at that age by themselves, of course. And so I asked Michael, please keep an eye on my class. We go in the bathroom. And she will not come out of the stall. I mean, she's in there. She will not come out. And literally, she tells me, this is what happens when I'm forced to do things I don't want to do. I mean, this girl is... (laughs) I felt so helpless. And then later, my husband told me, you fell for the oldest kid trick in the book. When she said she had to go to the bathroom, you should have just given her a coloring book and and then see if she still needs to go in five minutes. <laughs> okay, but I will say this. Um, if you do the, so my church is big enough, you have different ages in children's church and the room that is the sort of two to three zone where they might be potty trained, they might not be potty trained. I always tell people, don't sign up for that room. Pick before or after, <laughs> you know, babies or five-year-olds because that is the worst. And so, you know, you don't know what would have happened if you All hadn't right. fallen for that trick. I think you got to watch that with Children's Church because <laughs> I did that in between room and the parents will tell you like, we're working on it. And you'll go, oh, good. That's so great of you. Oh my goodness. This is going to be an interesting Sunday. You know, you, you can't. I mean, All right. It's better to err on the side of Caution. Yes. And also in my church, there was actually a role that was considered children's church, but was the welcome desk. That's a great role, too, because um, you just get to greet all the cute faces. But when they're mad that they aren't with their parents during the service, it's not on you. That's that's another good role. Oh, and also, I will say this. Make sure you know how long the service is because uh, something just happened in my church. The pastor just decided he's now going to go 15 more minutes regularly. <gasps> and our, yes, <laughs> Catherine just guessed. She, uh, I, I really think every children's worker is um, sort of, okay, now what do I do with 15 more? I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot of time when you're in church worshiping. It's a lot of time when you're in the back with the kids. All right. Well, with those fun tips for Catherine, we'll head into today's topic. Last week, we talked about pro-life issues from a big picture national scope. And this time we're going to zero in on what's going on right here in Virginia. But before we get more into that, I just want to set up this discussion again by thinking about 
How do we all get our minds around what life looks like after Roe, so to speak, especially here in Virginia, uh, when eventually Roe v. Wade is dismantled, whether it's with this upcoming court decision or another one in the future? What will our mission as Christians be at that point? And I really love this video that FamilyPolicyCouncil.com has put on its After Row website. It's just wonderful for thinking through these things. And I just want to play that real quick. Good evening. In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalized abortions. It's been 49 years. Years of death. Years of grief. Over 62 million precious lives. Gone. But we have banded together. We have fought for the powerless. And today, we're approaching a new era. The validity of Roe v. Wade is on trial before the Supreme Court. While we don't know when Roe's death toll will ring, we know its time is short. And after Roe, the real work begins. After Roe, states will decide whether to allow abortion. After Roe, that's 50 battlefields to protect life, help moms, and support families. So now, we rally. We prepare for what comes after Roe. Are you ready? I love how they're asking, are you ready? You know, because this is the key question we've been asking ourselves here at the Family Foundation, and I think at the conservative movement as a, as a whole, is our country, especially, our, is the church and our pro-life side of this ready to, it's going to change the landscape. It's people, There's going to be a fevered pitch around abortion if and when this happens, and we better be ready to meet that. Which we're already starting to see build. And I also think it's good that the video pointed out the very sobering reality that after nearly 50 years of Roe, we've lost at least 62 million babies to abortion. You know, just get your mind around that. 62 million lives that didn't get a chance to live out uh, what God would have wanted them to live on this earth. Do we know what those numbers look like here in Virginia, Victoria? Yeah, I mean, it's thankfully for a while, it was a, a really decreasing number. We were at, you know, I'd say 10 years ago, it was like 25,000 a year. And then it was coming down. We were down to only like 19,000, 18,000 a year, which is still a tremendous number. But then you think about over 62 years, add that up, even in one state, what that looks like. And we got to get that number to zero. That's that's the goal. And I don't think we're shying away from we want women to choose life, to want to choose life, not just because the law says so, but because we value the unborn child. And you've talked about before how seeing your own children's ultrasounds has made this really tangible for you. It's not just a stat. Oh, I I hope everyone gets to see an ultrasound at some point in their life. Maybe there's maybe you know maybe men need to see you know someone else's, but of the like a six week ultrasound because when you see how small the child is at that point, I mean really very very small, but you can still hear the heartbeat on the monitor. It's kind of unbelievable. It's sort of even for somebody like me who was in the pro life movement who would be saying these things in speeches and had read them and had been looking at the science to see it for yourself. It is moving. I agree. When I have heard the heartbeat played on loudspeakers, it is very powerful. And, you know, we are trying to get through a law that would actually allow uh, an ultrasound to be part of sex education in our state, which I think makes total sense. But aside from that, uh, Victoria, I think it would help if you could just give us a quick debrief 
on the history of abortion here in our Commonwealth. I know you've intimately lived through a lot of this history from a policy perspective. You've been in the day in and day out of this. Help us understand the pro-life protections the Family Foundation helped to get into place and then how devastating it was to see them swept away in 2020. Yeah, I'll try to do this quickly because I know we don't have all day on this show. But, you know, the very first pro-life protection was 1975 with simply saying that it's going to be a doctor, right? We're going to make sure that if someone's going to have an abortion, it's going to be a doctor. And that does limit who provides them. And that has become an issue in later years that they struggle to find abortion providers. So that was a big deal. And then we moved on to say, wait, women, if they're going to make this decision, they need all the information that they could possibly have. And, you know, back in the day, that was a piece of paper that was kind of, here's the gestational development with some pictures. But it moved to, at one point, we're going to make sure that she is permitted to see her ultrasound, that when they do an ultrasound before an abortion, she can actually view it because we think that's the most powerful tool for her to make a great decision. And so we put these things, we put consent. You know, teens should never go through this without the guidance and help of a parent. And so we put that as a requirement into the law. So we had kind of all these things. And then we were able to add safety standards, which should have always been the case. This is a medical facility. We should have never had to create a law that says you're going to act like every other medical facility and not act like a profit only entity when you actually do have physical harm that you're doing to an unborn child, you're taking its life, and you could harm a woman. So we put all those things in place over the course of literally 60 years. And now, unfortunately, we've seen um, everything be taken apart now that we've had um, left-wing leadership in our in our General Assembly. Yeah, so, so all those were actually put in place and we're in there for how many years, would you say? Well, uh, you know, I listed a number of different laws, mm-hmm. but I would say we had about five to six years that we had all of those protections, mm-hmm. all the way even including the safety standards and some of the more recent things. And it, we watched the abortion number decline dramatically, and we watched the clinics close because they didn't want to put money into safety, which is my, uh, that should tell you everything you need to know about right. the industry. But um, but even every time one of those new laws would go into place, you'd see a slight drop that each law impacted the abortion rate. And unfortunately, we had virtually everything, even the informed consent component mm-hmm. components taken out of our law by liberals who just want to do the bidding of the uh, billion dollar abortion mm-hmm. industry. And then in one year, yep. you know, decades worth of protections just wiped out just for one perspective. Bill. Yeah. One bill. And they gave five minutes of testimony on each side as if you could explain why these are valuable in five minutes. It was horrifying. And I think um, Virginians should just be able to realize that people really do come to the General Assembly having been bought and paid for in their campaigns by the abortion industry, and then they come in and do exactly what that industry wants, which is no regulations, and you know they want the taxpayer to pay for their, their, their work. So then with that context, what were your emotions seeing in 2021? Pro-life leaders restored to the executive cabinet, or a lot of pro-life leaders, and also more of them in House leadership. Well, it's it's a wonderful feeling to feel like there's hope again, because those two years where we thought there's no pro-life in any of the chambers, you know, not the House, not the Senate, not the governor, there's nowhere to turn to even really get traction on any of it. And so it's been wonderful. Our governor is strongly pro-life. He will say that. I think that's been powerful. And then the House of Delegates is led by pro-life leadership. Now, the trick part is that's not all of our legislature. And so as as you know, we haven't gotten everything done that we want to get done. Right. Well, with that thought, what would you say are the most urgent issues facing Virginians on protection of life, sanctity of human life, as we prepare to march around the Capitol this year to speak up on that? Well, I think the one 
in particular that we're really going to be focused on is this Born Alive Act. You know, we had a bill in this General Assembly session that simply said that if a child is born as a result of a failed abortion, and we actually had testimony from someone who is that, who was born as a failed abortion. And so the the bill simply says if that person is birthed, we are going to do everything we can to protect its life. That is an, an easy thing society should be able to come on board with. And unfortunately, we couldn't even get that through the Senate. And so what you see is we're going to need to really put an emphasis around this as we march around the Capitol. Right, because you would have thought, as you were pointing out, with us having reached this lowest bar or standard as a society for still having any kind of humane compassion when it comes to just saving the life of a helpless baby laying vulnerable on a table, that there would be a lot more uproar around this, that this would be a galvanizing issue for people. You know, that as Delegate Freitas pointed out, um, we should be able to get some minimal level of bipartisan support. And he didn't get enough. So that's where people need to see a visual demonstration at our Capitol on this issue. Yeah, I think legislators have to see pro-lifers in force saying now is the time we're overdue, especially on a bill that's really, I would argue, not even about abortion. It's after abortion is even out of the equation because this, this child has been born. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. Well, there were other pro-life issues that came up during the General Assembly that might help people to know about leading up to the March for Life and maybe might help them when they get a chance to interact with their representatives before the next General Assembly. For example, tell us about the pain-capable bill. Yeah, I mean, there were good pro-life bills brought to the General Assembly that we had hoped would go farther. And this pain-capable bill is the idea that at least from the point that we know for sure that an unborn child can feel pain, that point forward, we shouldn't have an abortion. So this bill was at 20 weeks. There's actually doctors that will testify. They think pain happens even earlier than that. But that's sort of a okay universal agreement because they do surgery on unborn babies when they're wanted. And so they actually can watch a, an unborn child recoil from, you know, an instrument. They actually know that that child is feeling pain. And so that's what that bill's all about. You'd think that we could agree that if it's feeling pain, it's very much alive and that we would then then want to pass a bill that restricts abortion after that point. Unfortunately, we still struggle in our Senate, and we could not get that through the Senate. And our House didn't even really want to move the bill because they knew the Senate was going to kill it. And so it kind of just, I mean, pro-lifers, when they're marching this year, they really have to put the pressure on to say these bills, one, deserve a hearing, and two, really mm-hmm. deserve a, an upvote. Right, because both of those get back to a basic test of our respect for humanity at the most basic levels, whether we do not want vulnerable babies experiencing pain in the womb and doing basic care when a baby is born alive. Um, I, I think we would, we are not a humane society if we cannot rally around that. It's interesting that you mentioned the humane society because I, c- I compare and contrast a lot of times what I see in the abortion debate to the animal rights movement yes. because we absolutely go to extraordinary lengths on animals and making sure that we're humane about all kinds of animals. But because an unborn child happens to be not visible, right, unless you do an ultrasound, we somehow think that's different, except that's actually part of our humanity. That's that's who we are. Mm, excellent point. Well, Victoria, why is it important for people to participate in the Virginia March for Life? I mean, I know we've kind of said that, but if you just want to wrap it up for people, you know, uh, of course, if they can't participate 
Please let as many people as possible know about it in your sphere of influence. But why is it important that we get the word out this year? Well, I'll put it in its most basic, and sometimes people feel like this is just too blunt, but I'll put it in its most basic form. Elected officials are elected. They're elected by voters. They care what voters think because that is how they represent, that is why they're there. And so if we bring large numbers of voters down to the Capitol, it makes a statement that every legislator has to pay attention to because they know this is an issue that really matters to a lot of people, no doubt a lot of people in my district. And therefore, I have to pay attention, care about it, and maybe consider where I'm going to stand on it, whether I'm going to lead on it. You know, so we, so we want our our good guys that are pro-life to actually lead on this. So that's, you know, pressure for them to do more on this. And we want those that are pro-choice to rethink their position. All right. Well, what are some basic ways people can participate in getting people out to be a visual demonstration for life? Well, the first thing is you got to get that planned. It's got to be on your calendar. You got to get down here yourself. That's a simple thing. But more important than that, we all have a sphere of influence. We have friends around us. We have people at our church that could come. And so we really encourage sort of collectively coming, coming with a group. Um, we actually have really simple ways that they, people can come in buses from their church or they can bring, you know, school classes sometimes come down. And we actually have great instructions on where you park a bus. And we make it as easy as possible for people to navigate coming down to the March with as many people as possible. That's right. It would be fantastic if we can get churches filling church vans, buses all across the state. And it's really easy for you to get more details on how to sign up to do that. Just go to familyfoundation.org and register. You'll get more information. Um, And again, this is for Wednesday, April 27th, the Richmond March for Life. Yeah, and that date's really significant. I think people do need to know they're they're coming down on that day because people go, why don't you do it on a weekend? We do it that day, which is a Wednesday, because the General Assembly is there to do a reconvened session. They're there to do business, so they are going to see the impact of all these folks outside the Capitol because they're going to be coming out to do their business. Well, I just want to add one more thing here. It has been so heartening to see at these marches how young people are out in front leading with banners. We are the pro-life generation. It's so heartening to see that. Catherine, what are some of the things that stand out to you at, You know that you've experienced in these marches in the past? Yeah, I just love watching like you know my generation or younger just show up in droves. Um, you know, I think to the Dobbs rally where Liberty sent I think it was like 21 buses worth full of kids and you know and they did stuff like that when I was there too and you know you get you skip class for the day you hop on a bus and you show up and you stand up for something worth standing up for and I just think that's really inspiring to see so many young people just standing up for what they believe in. Well, to take us out of this segment, I think it would be fun to end with some audio from previous Virginia March for Life events. Let's just listen in. Well, to wrap up today's show, I just want to share a final thought in light of the fact that we've spent the last two episodes focusing on the sanctity of human life. And here we are headed into Easter celebrations, reminding us all who the author of life is, and who gave his life on the cross so that we might have life. 
That's right. And I can't help but add that he says to have it abundantly, that we're going to have life abundantly. You know, you look at John 10.10 and it talks about how the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but that he came. It says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I, I pray that everyone this Easter season really feels that abundance, that they, they have the victory in their eternal life and that they can feel the joy of victory in our life now. Right, that we, despite all the trials and all the things we are battling for in this life, whether it's, you know, protecting babies in the womb or things we all deal with in our personal lives and our families, that we have this hope that we are a new creation because of Jesus, that, that we are victors eternally. We do not live in, in oppression. We live in faith and a victorious mindset because we have our eyes set on the author of life who will have the final say um, at the end of everything and it'll be a new heaven and a new earth. So on that note, we wish all of you a happy Easter and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.